And actually, I'm going to back up and tell you a little bit more about this movie. Night of the Living Dead, the original, the famous one, came out in 1968. And that was made by a couple of guys in the advertising business in Pittsburgh. George Romero, the director, and his writing partner, John Russo. So after it became the most successful independent horror film in history, Romero and Russo started fussing with each other over who had the rights, you know? And uh, so what they settled on, this is really weird, but Russo got the rights to the script and to the words living dead. But Romero got the rights to the word dead used by itself. Are you following this? Only lawyers could come up with this. That's why George Romero's sequels are not living dead movies, they're dead movies. Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, not to be confused with Sam Raimi's Evil Dead series. And I wonder if Sam owns the rights to the words Evil Dead. I wonder what his lawyer says. So anyway, Russo, the forgotten partner in the series, he ends up owning Living Dead. So he writes up this story, the one we're watching. He wrote this in the early 70s. Then in the late 70s, he sells the story to a Chicago stockbroker. Are you following me? The Chicago stockbroker hires Dan O'Bannon to write a new script and Toby Hooper to direct it. Toby drops out. Dan takes over as director. They make the movie. The people who own Romero's dead movies sue him anyway to prevent its release, <laughs> saying it'll be confused with Romero's films. They fight about it. They settle it. It comes out a year late. End of story. I'll shut up now because we got the scene that almost single-handedly made Linnea Quigley a, a big star and seriously contributed to her being the scream queen that she is today. And Linnea, are you here? Yeah. Yes, I'm here, Joe Bob. <laughs> okay. Does this scene embarrass you, the one we're going to watch? It depends who sees it. <laughs> well, we're all going to see it now, honey. Okay, go. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever the different ways of dying, you know, violently. I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. The following movie contains material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Your discretion is advised. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to be sued by the Darrow Chemical Company. I might even be investigated by the government. I might become very famous. I might even lose my business. I might even go to jail, goddammit. That's what I'm going to do. But first, I'm going to introduce to you, straight from the Next Level Network, a podcast so stinky that even containers from the Department of the Army can't contain its stench. That's right, kids. I'm talking about the one and the only. Thank the fates for that. The show known as What, what Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. Zero. And honestly, I woke up about 20 minutes ago. I have to record this. So, I'm apologizing now. No, I'm not. But whatever... This may be a little rough this week. I mean, I got, what, four hours sleep? That's enough. 
The dead don't need to sleep. The dead are already sleeping. Don't know what that means? Don't fucking care. Welcome back, everyone. It's episode 31. And actually, the tagline for this week's movie works for me, because I'm back from the grave. I don't know if I'm actually ready to party, but hey, what the fuck? Episode 31, yes. The episode I've been holding on to since way back in February. This was actually one of the episodes. I was actually contemplating making this episode number one. But at the same time, I knew that early in the podcast, you know, in the life of the podcast kind of thing. I wasn't exactly sure how the format was going to go. Didn't know exactly what I was doing. I mean, I know how to talk. That's not hard. (laughs) That's debatable, too, actually, because sometimes I like to trip on my words. But I wanted to make sure that I kind of had a flow going before I jumped into this one, because this movie is very, very dear to my heart. So this week, for the 31st episode, we'll call this the... Well, no, it's not technically the Halloween episode, but, like, you know, October 31st. Episode episode 31, you know, episode. (laughs) I told you, I trip on my words. Yep, they're back from the grave and ready to party. It's Return of the Living Dead. That's the movie review this week. Actually, this is an interesting episode. When I was mapping it out last night, I kind of realized this is going to be like almost too many reviews and then the review for Return of the Living Dead, which I don't even know if I call (laughs) the Return of the Living Dead thing a review. It's more like me just gushing about how much I love that movie. But first things first, we'll do the shit talk. And this is a warning. Okay, this is a warning. I saw David Gordon Green's Halloween movie yesterday. And all I'm going to say to you is the review is coming next week. I need a week to process this because, yeah. Um, I don't want to say I hated it. I don't want to say I loved it. I'm going to kind of leave that lingering in the air for the week because I've been thinking a lot about it, which, in all honesty, if a movie makes me think that hard, it's done something right. That That's, that's in its plus column. But yeah, next week is going to be my thoughts on the movie after I've really processed what I saw. I might even go watch it one more time. I don't know for sure. Uh, I have to work all week, so (laughs) trying to get to the theater may be a hassle. So that's your warning. You're getting my thoughts on Halloween 2018 next week. Now, this week, I'm going to tell you about a movie that I checked recently, checked out recently, I should say, (laughs) called Extremity. And Dread Central has been, like, promoting it on social media a lot and whatnot. um, It was done by the uh, director who did the movie Last Shift, Anthony DeBlasi. And I love Last Shift. Last Shift is a hidden gem that most people, I don't want to say most people, but there's a good chunk of people that don't know about that movie and they really should see it because okay it's kind of interesting and this is a little bit of a side note before I get into my thoughts on Extremity 
Juliana Harkavy is currently playing the Black Canary on Arrow. And I love Juliana Harkavy. I think she's a great actress. But the way they have created her character on that show, I can't stand watching her. Which sucks, because if you saw the movie Last Shift, she's fucking phenomenal in that movie. And it's like, I know she's a great actress, but they do not know how to write the Black Canary on that show for nothing. And I know that you're saying, Black Canary has nothing to do with horror. Fuck off. My podcast, my rules. No. Um, But the thing is, is like, it's... I'm a comic book nerd. So, I mean, yeah, I know a lot about characters. And Black Canary has actually been a character that I've followed for many years. So I know exactly what I wanted to see on that show, and I still have yet to see it. So, that said, on to Extremity, which was... Like I said, directed by Anthony DeBlasi, and Dread Central's been really hyping it up. So I find it on VOD. I'm like, hmm, all right, let's give it a shot. And I mean, with how much I loved the movie Last Shift, I was really thinking, okay, this, you know, I saw the trailer for this. It looked kind of interesting and whatnot. You know, some chick's got, you know, psychological problems and wants to fight, face her demons at some extreme haunt house or whatever. And I mean, I, I was hoping, I'm like, okay, that's an interesting concept. I mean, hopefully it's as good as Last Shift was. No, sadly, not the case. I mean, okay, honestly, the film is shot very nicely. It, it's a beautiful, it, it's beautiful on the screen. Like, it looks really great. Uh, the sets look really cool. Uh, the lighting, the shadows... It did a very good job with that. The coloring, um, because it's so vibrant and very colorful, it actually somewhat reminds me of Suspiria. I know sacrilege that I just said that, but it does kind of remind me of the 1977 Suspiria film. Um, not done the way Suspiria did it, but just for the fact that it's very colorful and whatnot. And I mean, I'll be honest with you, the actors aren't the problem in this. Um, the problem is the story. You have two people have entered this extreme haunt house and they're getting beaten up, tormented, tortured, and I don't care. The thing is, is that I don't know if it's because there's not enough character development or what the fuck. I just, I don't care what happens to these people. And that includes the people doing the shit. Like, like Chad Rook is a great actor. He's... He's he's solid. But I don't care that, you know, he's down on his luck and, you know, he's trying to do this extreme haunt house to make money so that he can see his kid. Like it 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 was it the the character development was lacking so much I didn't give a shit. So Oh, and the score, the musical score, because you guys know I pay attention to that shit. It's actually really good. Problem is it doesn't fit with the movie. It's some weird, like, techno shit going on and stuff, but it doesn't fit with the atmosphere of the movie. So, I mean, all in all, how did I feel about it? Not the worst movie I've seen. I found myself getting distracted quite a bit, though. Uh, it was very easy because, again, I, there was nothing pulling me in. There wasn't enough for me to say, okay, I'm invested in this. It's, if anything, and I, I do say, you know, don't take my word for it. Watch it yourself. But it's a one-and-done kind of film for me. 
Uh, I've seen it once. I'll probably never return to it. So, quick rating, because I actually, I actually wrote down a rating for this. 4.5 out of 10. I mean, like I said, it has some great merits. It it looks great. Um, I like the idea of the winter, uh, the season of winter being a backdrop and whatnot. But, on, honestly, I didn't give a shit about what was happening to them and why. So... That's my thoughts. Um, I'm going to move on, though. And I told you guys last week I would probably talk about this more in depth. And this is probably going to take me about a good 10 minutes or so. So, the reason why I'm saying that. I apologize, by the way. Uh, when I wake up, I'm very uh, allergic to life. So, uh, if you hear me sniffing, I'm, I apologize. Uh, I may try to edit them out, but probably not, because I'm too fucking lazy. Okay, so, The Haunting of Hill House. And that's why I'm saying this is going to take probably about a good 5 to 10 minutes at least. So, if you have not seen it yet, I'm not spoiling a lot, but I'm going to spoil a bit. So, if you don't want to know anything about it, if you haven't seen it yet, skip ahead about, probably I'd say about a good 10 minutes. And if you still hear me talking about it, keep going. <laughs> um, but I I do have a few things I want to say about that series. Uh, I will say this, and I'm going to put this out there as the first point I talk about while people try to skip ahead. On IMDb, it has a rating of 9.1 out of 10. <laughs> That's almost a crime. Okay. Uh Haunting of Hill House is fucking phenomenal. I have not seen anything on Netflix even come remotely close to this. And just this past week, they announced that Iron Fist and Luke Cage both got canceled. Bye-bye. And I like both shows. But <laughs> bye-bye. I don't care. As long as Haunting of Hill House stays there, I don't give a shit what happens. I will watch this series at least another two to three times within the next month, probably. Um, well, I have a lot of movies to watch too. But when it was done, I wanted to go back and rewatch the whole goddamn thing all over again. It, it is so fucking perfect. The set, the, the, the house, the sets, everything. Perfect. Perfect. It that house, I want to live in that fucking thing. Like, it, I don't care how much money it'll cost too. I'll sell my fucking soul for that. <laughs> it, it it looks awesome. Um, I mentioned this again, as I said with you know extremity. I'll say that with this as well. I paid attention to the score. The score by the Newton Brothers is absolutely fantastic. I've never even heard of the Newton Brothers. Okay, so I didn't know what I was getting into. A lot of the times when I watch, you know, movies and TV series and whatnot, I know the names of the composers. I didn't know who the Newton brothers were, which is probably bad on my part, but whatever. Uh, their score is so delicate and haunting at the same time. Um, I bought the soundtrack. I bought it off iTunes. Uh, I have listened to it, I'd say, at least a good dozen times now. And when you hear the music, you can almost, like, see the images that were on the screen. Like, it, oh, it's so fucking great. 
Uh, for those of you that are interested, if you do want to buy the soundtrack, you can get it through iTunes. That's North America. Um, Amazon uh, in the U.S. only, though. And it can be streamed through Spotify. The whole fucking thing. So if you're not into, you know, paying for your music, eh, go through Spotify. Who cares? Um, they put it there, so use it. Uh, okay, so let, let, let's do this. I, I've got a few minutes left that I can talk about this. The actors. Um, I'm in love with, uh, what's her name, Carla Gugino. I'm, I fucking love her as as the mother, as Olivia. She is so fucking charming and beautiful and i know i sound like i'm like one of those like you know fucking losers that like oh what do you think of her oh well she's charming like name off all these fucking pronouns and adjectives and whatnot um pronouns fuck off paul uh i told you it's (laughs) early sunday morning i'm recording this not everything's gonna make sense it's when you love me the most right wrong anyways Okay, so, no, but the actors are great. Henry Thomas is fucking wonderful. Um, He's so lovable as, like, you know, the dad that's trying to keep the house together and everything. He's just, you know, I don't know. Uh, The kids. The kids are, oh, fuck. The two that played um, Luke and Nell. I absolutely fell in love with those two. Like I all well, all five kids were great. And if all five of them continue to go on with acting as their career, hopefully they're successful. Uh they're adorable. But the two that played Luke and Nell, I it, every time they were on the screen, I was just like, I love these kids. I wish they were mine, kind of. Um <laughs> I say kind of. Um No, but the children cast were all exceptional. Um Especially, I don't know why I loved Luke. I think it was the glasses, the gla- like the, his glasses almost gave him like character, and how he was so innocent and uh, it was just so fucking great. Now Luke as an adult. Okay, here's a little personal story of mine. Um, no, it's not gonna be too personal. <laughs> I'm not that kind of guy, but his story did hit close to home. Um, I have had to deal with addicts. I've lost people who were addicts, um, whether it be suicide or accidental. Uh, I've I've had to deal with stuff like that. I have to say that that was probably the one thing about The Haunting of Hill House that I noticed. These characters, whether it was as children, whether it was as adults, were so well-researched and so well-developed, I believed they were who they were. Um, like Luke. Luke is definitely what an addict is like and i've seen it i've been through that um it's harder to even deal with was how everyone treated him um i was i know what i was like with certain people in my life i'm not gonna lie i wasn't the best (laughs) i wasn't the best person to uh, be around an addict there were times when i was cold like steven but there was times that I was like Nell where I wanted to help them. But by helping them, I was also enabling them, uh, which we see uh, the scene where, you know, Nell gets Luke his heroin before she brings him to rehab. That would be me. And, you know, it's something that it's you know you're doing it 
because you loved them. But at the same time, when you're doing something like that, that's not love. That's like, yeah, here, here's, you know, another nail in the coffin. Um, it w- it was hard to watch. Um, not going to lie. Like episode four rocked me. Um, and then episode five, Bent Neck Lady. Oh, Jesus Christ. And I never saw that twist coming, which I should have. You know, when I actually, it, it, watching certain parts of the episode over again, I'm like, how did we never see that the bent neck lady was now? Oops, spoilers. I hope you kept forwarding. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, so, but like that, that, that revelation kind of rocked me. And it was weird because I didn't see it coming. Um, and broke my fucking heart too. Oh my God. I, I, I don't, I want to say I cried, but. I was just like, oh, no, not now. <laughs> That's not, no, it can't be. And it was it was just one of the, that was the thing about this series too. I was actually reacting. I don't react to shit. Like, I love Daredevil. Daredevil is a great Netflix series. I don't react much. Unless it's like, you know, one of the characters getting their head slammed between a car door. And I'm like, oh, that's going to fucking hurt. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, like. This, I found I was, like, actually emoting with the series. It was so well written. And then, hands down, one of the greatest fucking jump scares in history. Holy shit. Episode 8. Okay, so if you haven't seen this and you kept listening, fuck you. I'm spoiling this shit. When Theo and Shirley are in the fucking car arguing and... Right away, my first reaction was, oh, here we go again. And then fucking Ghost Nell comes from the back seat and screams. I have not ever jumped as much as I did for that. Like, I thought I crapped myself. And all I could do was I hit pause and I fucking applauded the show. Like, kudos. That is, without a doubt, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, jump scare I have ever seen in a fucking horror movie series anything i don't okay i'm not gonna go into a lot of details but let's just say the jump scares in halloween didn't work on me um and that's the thing most of the time jump scares if anything i might go like and that's it it's over like i don't react to jump scares jump scares are actually quite annoying to me in in anything that you know deals with even horror action anything i i fucking hate them and holy shit i had i had goosebumps it was so fucking great because you just don't see it coming you have no clue like you just figure that the two sisters are going to start bitching and arguing at each other again and literally to break that fucking moment and, and like, and Theo's reaction when she, when she's on the ground outside the car and she's like, Oh my God. Oh, and she's freaking out. You almost feel the same way. So fucking well done. Like, oh, through, as I wrote, like I wrote down, like through and throughout this whole fucking series was by far the best thing on Netflix in forever. Um, and I know, like, if you're not a fan of this kind of stuff, obviously you might think something, you know, another show is, like, the greatest thing ever. You know, maybe Bill Nye Saves the World or something, if that's your thing. Uh, I watched season one of that, didn't mind it. I haven't watched season two. Uh, but, and I like Bill Nye. But anyways, without a doubt, like, in my opinion, this is easily 
easily the best fucking thing I've ever seen on Netflix. And I'm not going to lie, it's not perfect per se, but it's perfect. Like, there's a few choices the actors made where I'm like, oh, that didn't work. But hey, you know what? They tried. And the story is so well developed. The characters are so well developed. I didn't give a shit. It was like, this is fucking perfect. Hands down, 10 out of fucking 10. I'll go as far as say it's 11 out of fucking 10. It is so perfect. It, it, if you haven't seen it and you listen to this review, one, you're an idiot, but two, um, I do love you still. Just It's kind of a stupid thing to do, you know, listen to a review about something you haven't seen yet. But anyways, I'm recommending it again this week. Fucking watch it. Like, it... And you guys know, like, I, I'm always the guy that's like, well, Netflix is kind of mainstream where, like, Shudder is where to go for the real horror. Netflix did good this time. And for once, I was like, I'm glad I still have that subscription. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it's fucking amazing. That it, That's kind of my more fleshed out uh, review. And, I mean, there's a lot I'm not touching on uh, just simply because, uh, to be quite honest the haunting of hill house should have been its own full episode but because 10 episodes i can go on about each episode and i probably will one day there may come a day where i actually break down and do it episode by episode but for now this is what you get and it's just i it's just me like singing my love for this fucking series because my god it was so fucking great but now it's time it's time, it's time, it's time to go out and kill some rabid weasels. It's time to crack open some dead guy canisters from the Department of the Army. Oh, I have something to say about that. And when they come back, they're coming back from the grave and they're ready to party. You know, I have to say, of all movies, I think that is the one tagline I will never forget. I Taglines sometimes for me, you know, I... I remember some of them, some of them I don't. I mean, like, Halloween is easy, the night he came home, stuff like that. Um, in space, no one can hear you scream, alien. Uh, you know, like, there, there's, um, you don't have to go to te- uh, Texas for this chainsaw massacre, pieces. Um, like, I mean, there, there's certain movies where it's like the taglines stick out, but this movie probably has one of the greatest taglines of all time. And when we come back, it'll be Return of the Living Dead. More brains. After this small break. In the dark of the night, something strange is going on. from the grave. Mister, there's a hundred of those things out there. How many did you say? A hundred. And now the question is, how do we get them back into the ground? Frank, we have a little problem. Boiler, ten right, 
different ways of dying you know violently and wonder like what would be the most horrible way to die yeah i know for 30 episodes now 31 you have heard that in my intro um if that wasn't a sign of how much i love this movie i i i almost don't no, sometimes why I do this podcast because every episode I fucking do it's like love this movie love this movie love this movie uh, I don't know I guess my podcast is kind of like a love letter to these things um, although Suspiria still please don't listen to that episode I was so off my game on that one but whatever fuck Suspiria this week because it's Return of the Living Dead this movie this movie, this movie. This movie has influenced me in more ways than I can fucking keep count. Um, you know, and, and here's the thing, like, a lot of people, you know, when you ask them, what's your favorite movie? It always seems like it's the same ones over and over. You always hear Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, Halloween, Friday the 13th. And then, you, you know, every now and then there's that little pocket of us where it's like our favorite was Return of the Living Dead. And, you know, sometimes people will argue with you. They'll be like, oh, that's a comedy. Uh, there's still some pretty horrifying shit in that movie. Um, it's a movie that, wow, well, I mean, I was pretty young when I saw it for the first time. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think the first time I saw it, I didn't even see, like, the rated R version. It was on, like, network television like 19 I want to say 86 or 87 I know it was on like channel 50 I think it was when I saw it for the first time and of course the whole dancing on the grave you, you know the, the the tombstone scene that was completely edited to shit um, so when I actually saw the restricted version for the first time it was like oh hey boobies um, <laughs> but yeah like uh, this it was weird because I remember 
watching this for the first time and like as you guys know like and I, I say it like with almost every movie I'm always talking about composers I'm always talking about music and with this one it opened me up to a whole new world of music because up to that point you know what 85 I was like 10 years old and what did I know I knew Whitney Houston I knew Michael Jackson I knew shit that was on the radio um, I didn't know who the cramps were. I didn't know who Tall Boys were or 45 Grave. I had no fucking clue who these bands were. And I remember hearing the music playing, especially like the cramps, uh, Surfing Dead, when it's playing during that little, you know, montage of them trying to like patch up the, the mortuary or whatever there, the crematorium. And it's like, I remember hearing that for the first time going, who the fuck is that? Like, I, I want that. Like, and that was what's it, it kind of like steered me off the you know the innocent you know top 40 you know little you know, you know your boy bands and shit new edition and all that it was like that's what i had known up to that point and all of a sudden now i'm listening to these like punk bands at like you know 10 11 years old completely fucking changed me i mean Next thing I knew, I was going down the industrial road of Skinny Puppy or, you know, even some of the metal. It was funny because, like, you know, everybody knew, like, Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard, Poison and all that shit. And I'm like, uh, DRI? Uh, you know, like, I always seemed like I went that one step further and it was because of this movie. And it, it just, it's weird because if it's a movie. You'd think, like, it would make me love zombies more or something, but it was the music that stood out. And... As I grew up and grew older and, you know, more like, you know, well, I can't, mature is definitely not the word for me, but as I kept, you know, moving up in my years, it's like, I've appreciated so much more of this movie. I've appreciated the humor. I've appreciated the practical effects. I've appreciated the acting or lack thereof that went into this movie. And it's like, it's just... It's interesting because, like, as much as, like, a, a couple weeks ago I did Night of the Living Dead and, you know, kind of correlated it with my birthday because, you know, October 1st and all. As much as Night of the Living Dead is such a prominent zombie film, I think if I really have to break it down, Return of the Living Dead is probably, in my opinion, the best zombie movie. For the simple fact that zombies are ridiculous to begin with, so the fact that it brought the extra added element of humor makes me love this movie even more. So, with all that said, because that was like one of the longest like lead-ins to this review, Return of the Living Dead actually premiered April 25th, 1985 in Italy. That was when it had its first big screen uh, premiere. But its North American release was August 16th, 1985, which if you've been following the Facebook page for What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, you would already know that. Because on August 16th, I posted a lot of shit about this movie being released. Uh, it was directed by Dan O'Bannon. And earlier I mentioned Alien. Yes, he, uh, I believe, wrote the screenplay for Alien. Uh, this one he directed and he wrote the screenplay for Return of the Living Dead. Uh, as well as it having like being written by uh, Rudy Ricci, John A. Russo, and Russell Striner. Um Certain things I'm going to omit in this review, simply for the fact that you've heard it all before. Uh, there's documentaries. Uh, as a matter of fact, not Next Level Network related, but if you really... Okay, 
a lot of people will hear me talk about Say You Love Satan, Nadie's horror podcast. I fucking love that show. I think it's one of the greatest things on the internet. And the the episode when I first started listening to them, like I remember, it, I found them on a fluke. It was like a search through iTunes or whatever, and I found their podcast. And the first two episodes I listened to were actually Pet Cemetery and The Lost Boys. And then I did Monster Squad, and then I saw they had Return of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead, to this day, is still my favorite episode by, you know, those four podcasters. Uh, it's it's one of the greatest things I've ever heard. I'm plugging their episode for that podcast as well. If you have not heard Say You Love Satan, go check out that episode. You will fucking laugh your ass off. Um, there's so much that they brought to that show. And, I mean, on top of it, it was Return of the Living Dead. So, naturally, you know, everything they're talking about, I knew about and it was, like, laughing with it and whatnot. Actually, they also taught me a few things, too. But, um, yeah, it, you know what? It, it's kind of weird. I, I'm going to do this. Lurker's recommendation for this week. Go listen to Say You Love Satan's episode of Return of the Living Dead after you listen to this one, of course. Uh, mine is going to be nowhere near as good as theirs, but, hey... It, I, I still love this fucking movie. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Um, back to my review. Um, but yeah, go listen to theirs too. It's fucking hilarious. Trust me. You will laugh your ass off. Um, but anyways, uh, so music. Uh, the trioxin theme is the pretty much the only part. That I, I, what is it? There's a bit of score to this, but the trioxin theme is like the most famous part of it. Uh, that was done by Francis Haynes. And then, as I said, there's a soundtrack that's out there. Uh, contains music by The Cramps, The Dam, Tall Boys, SSQ, Rocky Erickson, 45 Grave. list goes on. There's like 10, what is it, 10 tracks? I actually have it on vinyl, too. It's a pretty cool vinyl, too. It's like, it's called the Grey Brains Matter, um, I guess, variant. And it's kind of cool, like, it... To look at it from a distance, it looks like it's just gray vinyl, but there's actually like speckles, like as if there's like blood on it and stuff. It looks kind of cool. Um, okay, so the starring cast, and I I wrote this down. I didn't even need to when I actually was thinking about it. I'm like, I know this whole fucking cast, but I wrote it down anyway, so it's in order of how it was written. Um, so it I may vary that, I don't know, but Clue Gulliger as Bert. Um, Clue is a fucking gem in this movie. Uh, between him and James Karen, James Karen played Frank. Between the two of them, holy shit, some of their banter back and forth is fucking hilarious. Like, okay, first off, you have Clue, who doesn't dial it up to 11, he dials it up to, like, 45. Like, <laughs> his, like, fucking over-the-top screaming and whatnot. And then you have James Karen who, with his over-the-top whining, bawling, and crying, like, and then, of course, there's Tom Matthews as Freddy, and he's, like, he's doing the whole over-the-top, like, oh, and they're, like, crying and whining and sobbing, and it's just, it's so fucking hilarious, but at the same time, and keep in mind, like I said, it's a comedy, yes, but there's some horrifying aspects to this. They actually show you that, Becoming a zombie is painful. And when you actually put that through your head and think about it for a minute, like they're going through like that's um, Frank and Freddie are the two that like, you know, they're 
they they've been you know they took in the gas and whatnot, and now they're going through the steps of rigor mortis and whatnot while be while still being alive. The idea that it's painful, the idea that they're suffering, is actually quite horrifying. Um, so I mean, yes, it's a comedy, but like I said, there are horrifying elements to this movie as well. Uh, Don Kalfa as Ernie Kaltenbrunner, and he's. First off, Bert and Ernie, and um, as many others have pointed out, uh, Dan O'Bannon says that that was completely coincidental, that he didn't even know what Sesame Street was. Fuck you, buddy. Uh, (laughs) You did so. Uh, How do you not know Bert and Ernie? Uh, But yeah, it's kind of funny that Clue and uh, Ernie, like like Clue and Don Kalfa both play characters known as uh, Bert and Ernie. Um, Beverly Randolph plays Tina. Tina is so not the one that, it, it, and again, it's been highlighted by so many different people. She's like the one character of this whole group of kids that totally does not fit. Uh, Miguel Nunez as Spider. Uh, Jewel Shepard as Casey. John Philbin as Chuck. Brian Peck as Scuzz. And okay, I'm not. I I I'm not gonna lie. I haven't looked into this, so I don't know. But apparently, he's a little bit of a diddler. Uh, if that is true, that saddens me. It really does. I mean, I know Don Kalfa is a bit of a creeper, but that saddens me because I kind of like Scuzz in this movie, but yeah, whatever. Um, and then, of course, okay, I'm actually going to change the order of this because I'm going to go Mark Venturini as Suicide. Uh, R.I.P. dude. Uh, he passed away a few years back. He was a young guy. He should not have passed away as soon as he did. Uh, there's the Colonel played by Jonathan Terry, his wife played by Kathleen Cordell and their little relationship is kind of funny as well. Alan Troutman as Tarman. Tarman is probably one of my favorite zombies of all time to the point where as this past birthday, I got a figure of Tarman and it's still in the package. I will probably keep it there forever. And I absolutely love it. Finally, I saved the best for last. Linnea Quigley as trash. And yes, when you are a 13-year-old boy growing up watching this movie, you don't forget Linnea Quigley. (laughs) Let me tell you, um, at 43, I still haven't forgotten her. But hey, anyways, moving on. So the synopsis of this movie. God, it's taking me a while to get here, eh? Uh, synopsis, when Frank and Freddie, employees of the Unita Medical Supply Company, decide to check out rumors surrounding the metal cylinders stored in the basement. Cylinders reportedly containing the bodies of captured zombies. They have no idea the horror awaiting them. Frank confidently slaps the side of the cylinder, and to both their horror, a putrid green vapor spurts out. The men are overcome by the fumes. Inside the cases, bodies begin to stir. Their hunger for human brains is as urgent as ever. But this time, it's not a movie. This time, it's for real. (laughs) This time, it's fucking hilarious. Um, Quickly, quickly, quick, quickly. I can't fucking... Why why I was going to say the word quickly three times, I don't fucking know. This... (laughs) This is me, first thing in the morning. Um, hey, uh, budget was $4 million. The gross, 14.2. You did more than triple. Congratulations. Yay. Um, yeah, th- fuck. 
14.2 today would be considered an absolute abysmal mess. But yeah, for 1985, that's fucking awesome. And you know what? Who cares how much money it made? The cult following that comes with this movie, it it's that alone says everything. Uh, so now, what is there to say about this movie? This is where I kind of just babble for the next, what, maybe 20 minutes? Something like that. So, adjectives to describe this movie, you could go on forever. It's fun. It's hilarious. It's horrifying. Um, a true blast to be had. Uh, this is a great movie to watch with friends. You can watch it by yourself. You have a bad day at work? Put this movie on. You'll cheer up real fucking fast. Uh, especially, uh, and you, you got to keep in mind, like the beginning of the film, you know, you have um, Frank and Freddie are working and, you know, having fun while they're working. At least, well, one of them is and the other one says, stop it, you're learning. <laughs> it's fucking funny. And then like, um, you know, you got the eye chart. It, for those of you who've seen this movie, which most of you probably have, if not all of you. Um, the eye chart is fucking hilarious where it says something, it, it's got the letters and stuff, but it like spells out like bird is a slave driver and whatnot. It's fucking hilarious. And it's funny because I'm, I'm that kind of guy. Like I watch the small little details and I noticed that like way back when I was a kid, of course I shouldn't act like I'm some like fucking Mr. Know-it-all because I mean, I'm not, I know absolute shit, but I don't know, like, I, I was even that kid, like, way back when, I remember seeing Halloween for the first time, it was on network television, and there's the one part where Annie's like, oh, Lori, he's over here, and she looks behind the bush, and you see a waft of smoke go by, and it was because the cameraman was smoking while he was filming it. Um, I noticed that kind of shit when I was younger, and I remember thinking there was something wrong with the TV screen, because that's where my mind went at, like, you know, eight years old, <laughs> whatever. Um, no, wait, was I eight? I was older than that. I think it was a bit older when I finally saw Halloween, but whatever. Um, back to this movie. I'm talking Halloween next week. Um, no, it, it, you know, moving. Oh, my notes. Sometimes I, I think I always have them like so nicely laid out, and then I realize, fuck, you're an idiot. Um, anyways, the inside workings of a podcaster. Eh? I'm, and you know, I'm probably pretty horrible for that you know most podcasters are supposed to act like very professional and whatnot not on my show (laughs) you know i have notes guiding me and sometimes they don't make sense (laughs) because i was talking uh, and my next uh point was about the actors except actors is not the word that's (laughs) there i'm still trying to figure it out um yeah okay so let's act like none of that just happened and jump back into the review um, the actors are perfect for their roles. Uh, and even L- Linnea Quigley, who, you know, in this movie, okay, it was her first technical starring role. I don't know if it's, well, she's not starring, she's supporting cast, but I think it was like her first, like really main big film. I mean, prior to this, she did like what silent night, deadly night, and uh, Savage Streets. Savage Streets is pretty brutal. Uh, she's the victim of a pretty bad uh, rape scene. Um, and, uh, you know, and there's been different interviews where I believe she's even said, like, this was one of the first films where she almost wasn't the victim anymore. You know, like, she she 
Sure, she dies, but she comes back as one hell of a badass bitch. And, you know, but in, in this movie, I mean, really, like, she, um, best way to put it is she knows how to drive the dialogue home. Uh, I like it spooky. Like, it just, <laughs> the way she fucking talks, it's hilarious. But, again, it's one of those things where it's like, if she did it any differently, I don't know that it would work. Which is really odd to say, but because it's so embedded in me that that's the way Linnea Quigley spoke, I like it that way. I like it spooky. You know what I mean? Like, um, and when it comes to actors, Tarman, you know, Tarman was one of those things. And when I was younger, I don't want to say like I was scared of the Tarman because I wasn't. I used to always smile when he was on the screen, but. His movements, the way he moves is very creepy. It's like he really has like, I'd say he probably has the best zombie movements I've ever seen because of the fact that you think about it, a zombie is a reanimated corpse. It has no muscle coordination. Like when, and you know, um, Eli Roth recently has been doing history of horror on AMC and last week's episode was about zombies. And people were talking about whether or not they like the running zombies. I think it's fucking stupid myself. Don't get me wrong. I love a movie like 28 Days Later, but a running zombie makes no fucking sense to me. It's just a reanimated body. There's no soul in this thing. There's no nothing. It's just reanimated. So when I watch Alan Troutman's version of, you know, uh, of Tarman and how he's like very like you know, just kind of waving around and, you know, doesn't have much muscle coordination. And well, that is until Suicide's head is in his mouth. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, like his movements to me seem more like a zombie. Even some of like, like when you watch these movies and they have like the slow moving zombies, but they're still like, sort of like, you know, they're stumbling, but they still have a lot of coordination where like his version of a zombie was like, Thank you. Somebody finally figured it out like that just because it's reanimated doesn't mean it's going to look pretty when it's moving. Um, So I think that's why Tarman has always stuck out for me. Not to mention, like, I mean, the amount of shit that they put on that guy, like with all the, you know, the fucking KY and Vaseline and water and everything that was just dripping off of him is it. It looks fucking gross, but it looks awesome at the same time. Um Moving on, uh, the humor in this movie, uh, and I've already mentioned this, this is nothing new, and I mean, everybody has seen this movie, so whatever, but the humor is on point. What is so awesome about the humor in this movie is it's placed perfectly, it doesn't feel forced, it it has a, a the movie, the, the, the pacing is great, the movie never feels like it's lagging, uh, the way they edited it, the, the, um, the, positioning or the placement of the humor and the placement of the suspense the placement of the horror everything feels very fluid it feels like it just it's a nice flowing movie for 90 minutes um i've said it before i'll say it one last time the music is fucking great everything from the musical selections they picked to the trioxin theme the trioxin theme actually fits this movie so perfectly it's kind of like you know, when you watch like Ghostbusters or, you know, well, fuck even like Night of the Living Dead, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, the, the music in that was done very well. It's placed perfectly in that in that film. Um, 
And they do that like so fucking well in this. Uh, jumping back to the humor for a second because there is one point that I have to uh, point out. The midget fucking zombie is one of the funniest fucking things in the world. Uh, I remember seeing that as a kid, and I don't. I, I I'm assuming it's actually like you know a, a little person playing that role. It might be someone who is actually an amputee. I don't know. Um, because I've never been able to find credit for who was that little midget zombie, but um, just like seeing that uh, the, the the whole send more cops thing, send more paramedics again, like the the zombies as creepy and horrifying as they are in this movie. At the same time, they bring the humor. So again, the humor is on point. Uh, quotes, the fucking quotes from this movie, and I. I probably quote this movie more than any other movie I've ever watched. Um, maybe with the exception of Nightmare on Elm Street 3, where I love to say, welcome to primetime, bitch. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, like, the the whole... And last week I did it. You know, the, the like this job. Um, you'll watch your tongue if you like this job. Like this job. Like, I say that at work, like, every fucking day. Because, like, no, I don't like my job. Um one of the, the one of the funniest parts for me is when you know Bert's like talking about you know going over to Ernie and bringing that you know the the cadaver the body that it's been reanimated and maybe he'll burn it and then like fucking Frank looks at him yeah but can you trust that bastard it's like what like <laughs> you don't even know who he is and you're already calling him a bastard it's fucking hilarious um and Linnea Quigley, again, like her whole like, I like it spooky or when they're like pulling up to the um, fucking the uh, medical supply place and she's all like, I like it. It's a statement. And it's like, oh, my God, you're fucking hilarious, chick. Like, you know, I, as um, I think I pointed out, at, at, at least I think I did. I don't know. I'm starting to lose track of what day it is. But I'm pretty sure I may mention about like the sex and death comment that, you know, that that Casey and, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, I forget his fucking name. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> uh, welcome to mornings. Um, yeah, but the whole, why don't you fuck off and die line? Um, one of the other parts I fucking love is when suicide's going on his little fucking bitch trip about, you know, this is a way of life and, you know, this isn't a fucking costume and you got fucking trash is like just fucking grinding him right and he's like have some respect for the dead and he like throws her off it's fucking hilarious the rabid weasels um like there's so much about this fucking movie that is just so great uh music again like i mean like i said earlier you know this was the soundtrack that set me on that path to music that like i mean i, mean, I remember being a kid like you know going to school and you know everybody was like listening to top 40 shit and then they'd be like, what are you listening to? And it was like, you know, uh, I don't know, Incubus Succubus, like, and, you know, Christian Death. And people are like, what the fuck is with that guy? And then, of course, I at the same time, I did like what was on the radio. I mean, you know, I still had Michael Jackson's Thriller. <laughs> Great fucking song. Um, I don't know. It, Clue is fucking hilarious. James Karen, his overacting, his bawling, his, it's fucking hysterical. Uh, one thing that, you know, really kind of burns me is so many people and, you know, even on that history of horror show, like so many people point out that Shaun of the Dead 
you know, is a great zombie comedy. Yes, it is. I'm not going to take that away from it. It's one of my favorites. But Return of the Living Dead was the first to fucking bring the humor to a zombie movie. Like, seriously. I mean, well, depending. I mean, you could look at some of the older zombie movies and go, well, these are pretty ridiculous and laugh your ass off through them. But I hate the fact that so many times it's Shaun of the Dead that always gets credit for bringing humor to fucking zombie movies. It's like, uh uh uh, Return of the Living Dead did it first, bitch. Like, shut the fuck up. Um, and re- uh, even that, like that fucking history of horror show, don't get me wrong, like, it, watch it. It is kind of good, but it's not telling me anything I don't already fucking know. And Eli Roth, as much as like he's a good director and stuff, I really don't care about his opinion, but whatever. Um, but I mean, like, they, they, even in that show, like, I mean, granted, it's, you know, it was what, 51 minutes long, minus all commercials. Return of the Living Dead was like almost like glossed over. Like, it was like they kind of talked about it for like three minutes. It's like three minutes. Like, it's, it's, this movie's fucking huge. It's iconic. Like, if you really want to, like, if you want to see a really fucking good documentary on Return of the Living Dead, the whole More Brains, a Return to the Living Dead, you can get it on the Scream Factory uh, Blu-ray that was released. I think it was even actually on the Blu-ray released before that as well. Um, I mean, it's an essential documentary film for you know fans of Return of the Living Dead. It's where I learned a lot of shit. I didn't know everything about this fucking movie prior to that documentary, and now it's like I want to know more. I want to know more. Like I, I don't know. I, I fuck. I love this goddamn movie. It's 91% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. That's a fucking crime. Because what's my fucking rating? 10. It's a fucking 10. And yeah, I know last week I started doing like the, you know, the look, the feel, and the atmosphere is, you know, whatever. And then how I actually like, you know, the enjoyment brought to me, like, you know, by the movie. Um, There was no point in going through that because in both categories, it's a fucking 10. This movie, I thank you, Dan O'Bannon. Um, I fucking love you. I mean, he also helped Alien, which is another classic movie. I may review that one soon. Just, you know, kind of foreshadowing of what might be coming. Um, <laughs> but, um, ah, fuck. Like, this movie, it just... I could go on even longer. I, I, you guys know I try to keep these, these episodes, like, a bit shorter. Um... Like I said, you want a really fleshed out episode, uh, and yeah, I know I, I'm I'm that weird podcaster that's like, oh, go listen to this one. Like, podcasts are like drugs; be addicted to them. Okay, <laughs> you can learn a lot, or you can laugh your ass off. But yes, go check out "Say You Love Satan's uh, Return of the Living Dead" episode because they they did an awesome job, and I have to give credit where credit is due. As for my podcast, that's my rating. It's a fucking 10. Um, and thank you for listening. Uh, that's about it, really. There's not much. Else. I mean, yeah, there's a lot I could say about this movie, but. <sighs> Recording on a Sunday morning. Oh, I am actually adjusting pretty good to my job, though. But yeah, it's the podcasting life is kind of suffering little bit from it but oh well who cares um yeah i swear there was nothing in my coffee by the way like it was just coffee (laughs) even though i talk like i'm fucking drunk but oh well
Happy birthday to my buddy Daryl, by the way. He's not going to listen to this, but I'm going to say it anyways. The old fart turned 55. I know. And you're like, he's your buddy? He's like practically dead. No. <laughs> uh, he's a good guy, though. He was. He makes me laugh. Guy I work with, so, you know. You need that. You need that when, like, when you're at your shitty jobs. Because every job is shitty. I don't care what you say. I don't care who you are. Unless you are, like, a fucking musician or, you know... A porn star. Your job sucks. And even that, porn stars will tell you their job sucks too. But they ain't complaining about the fucking money, so. I don't know why porn. Well, I guess I can see why porn stars say it sucks. I've watched enough documentaries, I know. I know why they complain, so. But us little people in the real world, our jobs suck. And so if you have someone that makes you laugh, it's fucking awesome. I'm usually the sarcastic twat that, you know, I like just making, like, really rude comments and stuff. It was funny. I was talking with someone last night, and they were like, I told, you know, a couple bad jokes. I'm like, fuck, that's all I tell. <laughs> I'm not nice. Um, but, hey, it's all good. Thank you for listening, though. I've, I should just, like, end this thing, eh? Like, the torment. Oh, my God. No wonder nobody gets to the end of my episodes. I love it when, like... I'll announce what next week's episode is on the Facebook page, and everyone's like, oh, my God, that's awesome. It's like I mentioned it on the episode. Oh, I didn't get that far. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder why. Um, Anyways, if you're looking for the podcast on the Internet, nextlevelradioonline.com slash podcast zero. What lurks behind podcast zero dot com. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash whatlurksbehindpodcast0. On Instagram, under whatlurksbehindpodcast0. Twitter, WLBpodcast underscore zero. And you can also find it on Horror Amino. And that's pretty much it. So, next week. Next week, okay, so next week was kind of interesting because... What I originally planned and what I think is going to happen are going to be two different things. Because I wasn't sure if I was going to do for this year's Halloween episode, if I was going to do a review on this year's Halloween, the 2018 one, or if I was going to go with the OG grandpappy of them all, Halloween 1978. Uh, And then, you know, I kind of realized that maybe what's going to end up happening is it's going to almost kind of be like a versus uh i think because i have a lot to say about the new one which is going to be a basically a segment in itself and then i have a lot to say about the original so by the end of next week's episode it may end up coming down to that i pick one over the other or it's going to almost come off as like a comparison episode which is kind of cool actually when you think about it because for halloween i should kind of change things up a bit So next week's episode will be Halloween 1978 versus Halloween 2018. And all I'm going to say before I get in, like, you know, before I let you go on your merry way is I understand they come from two different eras. I understand that there is a 40 year gap between both films. I'm not going to be nitpicking because of like which one I hold on a higher pedestal. Someone, so, so, Some people seem to misunderstand that 
I'm very good at separating by time eras, okay? Like, I'm very fair about that. The thing is, is that when I walk away from a movie, I go with how I feel in my gut. So, with some of the things that will come out of my mouth next week, and I know that some people are going to be pissed off with things that I have to say, both Halloween films are good, but both Halloween films have mistakes. So, all I'm going to say is, be prepared for next week to possibly hear an episode you're not expecting. That's all I'm going to say. Until then, listen, there's a bunch of people from a cemetery who are stark, staring, fucking mad, and they'll kill you and eat you if they catch you. It's like a disease. It's like rabies, only faster, a lot faster. That's why you've got to come and get us out of here right now. You have to stop listening to this podcast right now. Well, wait until after the song. Then you can go. Keep it macabre, lurkers. Wow, fuck, I screwed that ending up. Ah, damn it. Oh, well, whatever. Keep it macabre, lurkers. See you next week. Hey,